So I think in a nutshell, creating time and time management, giving yourself the physical space, you know, stilling your mind a little bit through meditation efforts and just being willing to do some deep thought and reflection on the data or the information that you're collecting, I think are some very critical skill sets that you could take to do some more critical thinking. Right. Welcome to the Balancing Act Podcast. I'm Andy Tempty, and today we've got the venerable Anthony Fasano, uh, who is the founder of the Engineering Management Institute and author of Engineer Your Own Success, which was published by Wiley back in 2015. Anthony's joining us today. Thank you so much for being here, Anthony. You bet, Andy. Happy to be here. Excited for our conversation. That's awesome. So this is the fourth episode in our mini-series entitled, Nobody Wants to Think Anymore. And this, uh, you know, beyond the salacious title, is an exploration of the often misunderstood skill of critical thinking. So we, we're, you know, you're an engineer, you focus on the engineering industry, so we'll be, we'll be talking to engineers mainly today, but this conversation is open and available to everyone and applicable uh, to everyone. But as usual, before we get started, Anthony, it'd be great if you told our listeners your story. Sure thing, Andy. So by background, I'm a civil engineer. I went to school. I have a bachelor's and a master's in civil engineering. And I started working at a civil engineering consulting firm when I graduated. And like many engineering professionals, in most firms, there's a partnership and ownership or a principal level. And I knew from the get-go of my career that I wanted to get to that level. And so I figured the best way to do it would be to take a look at all the principles and figure out kind of, you know, what made them principles and try to kind of you know, assess it like I guess any analytical thinker would do. And I certainly found a pattern that in addition to their technical background, they had great soft skills or people skills, whatever you prefer to call it. They could communicate effectively. They could lead projects. They could delegate. They could bring a new business through relationship building. And so I just set myself on developing those skill sets. I read books. I took courses. My career really took off. And one day my boss came up to me and said, hey, Anthony, we love what you're doing. Do you think you could go around to the other offices and help to train the other engineering professionals on these skill sets? My answer was absolutely not because I'm an engineer. I'm not a trainer. (laughs) So after some convincing, I put together a curriculum. I went around to the offices. I conducted the training. And essentially, two things happened, Andy. One, I loved it. I thought that if I could help technical professionals develop skills that we weren't taught in school and that could really help them in their careers, that was very rewarding. But secondly, and I think really most importantly at the time, the company saw results. We had better team interaction internally. We had better client communication, and we just had better project performance overall. And so I made a decision right there that that was something I wanted to do more. So I I kept my job there. I enrolled in executive coaching school in the evenings, and I convinced our HR director to allow me to build a management and coaching leadership program with her. And we both together administered it for about a year. And it went great, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm very entrepreneurial and I saw an opportunity because if there was so many people in just one consulting firm that struggled with these skill sets, I knew that there must be thousands of out there across the US and beyond. So in 2009, I made the decision to leave my engineering career behind, at least practicing engineering, and instead focus more on helping engineers and engineering firms grow by developing these skill sets that were rare 
but are needed. And they've become much more needed, by the way, since then, because our projects have gotten way more complex and there's many more moving parts and people that you have to work with on these projects. So I started EMI at that point in 2009. I started with a lot of content development and then I've developed into learning and development programs and we've grown as a company. So that's kind of my backstory in a nutshell, but essentially that's what we do now. We just help engineers and their firms grow by developing these important skill sets. Yeah, that that's really cool. I love your your answer that you said, oh, kind of, oh, hell no at the, <laughs> right. at the beginning. Uh, that, that's not, that's not me. And then you saw the opportunity and, and, and you went for it. That's, that's really awesome. Um, you know, so what, what's like one accelerant in, in your career? P- people like to hear about those moments where the light bulb went off or, or you just really, really took big steps forward. What would that be for you? Yeah. I mean, that's an easy one for me. I incorporated EMI in 2009 and for about nine years, I did it on a part-time basis. So I was, you know, blogging, podcasting on the side. I would do talks with my book at universities and colleges from time to time. But I always wanted to grow it. But I kind of was like, you know, that entrepreneurial question is, can I just go for it? Or, you know, I still need a salary. I had kids. I had a family. Um, so I was still working jobs and doing it on the side. And in 2018, the job that I had at the time, they had asked me to relocate. And so I really had to make a decision. Do I want to relocate or do I want to you know, buckle up and just go full-time on EMI. And I went full-time, I think it was January, February, 2018. And at that point in time, the company just took off. And ever since then, we've expanded, we've grown a ton each year and um, we continue to grow. So I think the message there is really, if there's something you're passionate about and you believe in it, you've got to kind of put all your energy and effort into it if you really want to get it to where you want to get it. Otherwise, you know, just doing it kind of halfway with other things is going to make it a much more difficult road for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get into it then. Um, can you let our list, we're, we're talking about critical thinking uh, today. Uh, can you let our listeners know what the term critical thinking means to you? Yeah, sure. So critical thinking to me is one of those things that I think I started doing more as I gained more experience and, you know, had more experience with people and growing the business And really, it's about kind of asking the right questions and getting the right information so that you can kind of step back and evaluate, you know, a number of data points before just jumping into a decision or acting off your gut. I mean, I think, you know, utilizing your gut from time to time is important as a leader. I think you have to. But I think at the same time, you know, having information that you can look, collect, and then make a more informed decision, to me, that's really critical thinking. And I think if you drill even further on that, the types of questions that you're asking become very important. And one of the things that I learned in executive coaching school was oftentimes we ask too many questions that people can answer with a yes or a no. And instead we need to ask open-ended questions that they need to really give us information, give us insights, give us perspective. So I think critical thinking is gaining these different perspectives, looking at it from different angles, and then kind of stepping back and having more information to make a more informed decision. That's like how, kind of how I would sum it up. Yeah. We, you know, we've, I, 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 I make no bones about this at all. You know, we have these really, really big personalities uh, in our society and it's very easy to just kind of fall in line with a, with an influential uh, leader and, and their message. And, you know, I'm, I, I love your answer there because no, you you've got to uh, you you got to think for yourself, and and that's uh, that's one of the messages we're we're trying to get across here. Um, 
I, I love to drill into, you know, little stories in your background. Uh, what are some of the periods in your life when critical thinking was absolutely essential to either a personal or professional success or the avoidance of, uh, of a cliff or a failure? Yeah, for sure. So one of the things I can tell you about, you know, in growing the Engineering Management Institute you know, when you grow a business, there's lots of times where you need to step back and make big decisions. I mean, you know this. And for me, it seemed like as the company started to grow, roles for people weren't as clear. Things weren't always getting done the way they were supposed to. And so I tried to take a critical thinking approach and I stepped back and I looked at the business and I looked at how we were operating. And it became clear to me that, you know, there's very distinct services that we offer we should probably reorganize the business based around those services. And so we kind of went through a process. We looked at it. We ended up splitting up into six units and I won't go through all of them, but you know, it was helpful for us to then have specific people in each of those different units with metrics that they could measure off of. And it really reorganized the entire way we operate on a day-to-day basis. And so the reason I think that's a good example is because when you're kind of in the weeds on something, growing a business, growing one's career, Sometimes you can't see that and you got to really step back, maybe ask other people questions, read about how, in this case, other businesses are organized. And so for me, it was not just keep chugging along. You know, we need to do something, we need to make a change. And so it was kind of, that was just a great process for us because I learned that, you know, you're only going to get to a certain point with most most things and then you're going to need to adapt in some way, shape or form. And, you know, that was a great example of how we did that. So, so that's one example I would give you. The other example that I'll give you that I think is a really good one, and I know maybe not all listeners are uh, fans of Major League Baseball, let's say, but I still think this is a good example that people can resonate with. There's a Major League Baseball team called the Tampa Bay Rays. They're located, of course, in Tampa. And what's interesting about the Rays is traditionally every year, they're probably in the lowest five teams with the lowest payroll. However, on the flip side, traditionally each year, they're probably in the top five teams in the number of wins. And so that's a pretty interesting pattern when you look at it over time and it keeps happening. And so for someone like me, who's an entrepreneur, like growing things, you like doing it efficiently. I wanted to dig into that a little bit deeper. So I read about a hundred articles about the Tampa Bay Rays over a series of months and ended up authoring an article about this. And if you look at what they did, it involved a lot of critical thinking. Essentially what they said was, listen, we've got this budget where a lot of teams have this budget but we still want to win as many games as all these other teams. So how can we do that? And so they asked a lot of questions. They looked at a lot of different things. A lot of, they used a lot of data and they did things that people never done before. They put four people in the outfield from time to time. They started a pitcher in a game for one inning and then they would take them out. It was called the starter. And they did, all, and they built their culture of their team and they looked for certain players. They built a lab where they can work with their pitchers to do things pitchers never done before. They built an entire recruitment system in South America where they recruited young players. And so when you look at that and you see all the things that they did, it was it was awesome to see that and see the results of it. But now there are so many other teams that are doing exactly what they did, right? And so it's kind of like one of those things, you know, critical thinking can really force you to adapt to new trends and new ways. And for the Rays, they were kind of leaders in that because they did some real critical thinking where maybe other teams were just plugging along. And then you can see that everyone started to follow in their pathway. So I do think critical thinking can also really help you to be a trendsetter in a way and be a leader in a field. And so that's always a special example for me. And that article 
I read it from time to time and we try to implement stuff at EMI and thinking just like they did. I think it's very applicable to business. Yeah. It's, uh, it, but the part of that formula is to have people around you that have those open minds who are willing to take those leaps and, and, and be accepting of, of different ways of working and different ways of thinking. So uh, that's a great example. Let, let's go deeper into engineering specifically. Uh, where does critical thinking rank in the list of future-facing skills that you re- recommend in your coaching practice? You know, why why should an engineer double down on critical thinking? Everything in the engineering world is based around data, and that's only getting stronger. and And the data is getting better. And you know, we do a lot of work with companies in the civil infrastructure world. That's kind of our, you know, 90% of our client base because it's my background. And you can't imagine the amount of data that you can get today in that world versus what you were able to get in the meantime. And I'm talking about, if you even think about infrastructure, sensors on bridges, sensors on roadways, cars eventually going to be talking to the bridges and things of that nature, crazy stuff. And so as an engineer today, there's just too much data available for you to not look at it, quite frankly. And the firms that are like not, capitalizing on some of this technology and collecting this data and using it in their own growth and in their projects and their project management are just going to fall behind. Again, it gets back to kind of what I I said earlier, which is probably a pretty good theme for today, which is adapt or die essentially. And, And so in engineering, even though it's always been a very technical space, even though people have always thought very analytically, the leaders out there in engineering today need to just like we were talking about, they need to collect the data from the right data points right now, and they need to make decisions based around that. And if you're not doing that, I don't care how big or small your company is, or even in your own career for that matter, you're going to lose out and you're going to miss out on probably things that you just wouldn't have seen, a perspective you wouldn't have got because you're just plugging along again, doing what kind of you always done, and you're not paying attention to what's now available to you. Yeah. The way we've always done it is the, is one of the number one blockers uh, to, to growth. Um, so thanks for that engineering perspective. Let's broaden the conversation now to the general population. Uh, you know, I, my opinion is that we have a real challenge growing critical thinking skills in our, in our population. How, in your opinion, your assessment, how do we build critical thinking skills in the in the broader population? It's a good question. And what I always try to do is to try to keep things simple, especially when you're talking about skill development or developing yourself. And to me, I think one of the easiest ways to build critical thinking skills and what's worked for me is you have to slow things down. Because I think when all of our minds today are racing very fast, I mean, we're kind of with all social media and all these notifications we get, it's really put us into hyperspeed. Mm-hmm. And when you're in hyperspeed, you certainly can't do critical thinking because you're going to make, you're just going to, you know, make judgments immediately. You're going to make quick decisions and that's not what critical thinking is. So essentially what we need to do is we need to slow things down and remind ourselves that not every decision needs to be made yesterday and we need to collect some data. We need to ask the right questions and then we need to get different perspectives from people. And one of the authors that I really love is Cal Newport, who authored the very popular book called Deep Work. And his philosophy is that we've created these crazy 
brain patterns with all these unstructured asynchronous communications like Teams and Slack and instant messages and social media, that it's become almost impossible for us to do deep work or critical thinking because we just don't have the headspace to do it or the time to do it, or we don't allot the time to do it. So my recommendation would be to try to slow down in your thinking approaches and try to give yourself time literally to do thinking or critical thinking or planning. Like even this morning for me, I spent about an hour and a half with nothing in front of me except a notebook and a couple of pieces of paper thinking about our websites and marketing messages because that was a big task for me today. And I wanted to spend some time to think about it and look at some different things. So I think really, Andy, you have to be intentional about it because in the world we live in today, you can't leave it to chance because you're going to get pinged by a million different notifications. You've got to say, this is something that requires critical thinking and I need to put myself in an atmosphere to be able to do that. So, so going a little bit off script here, how, so let's assume that you've got a manager sitting in front of you who is in that go, 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 got to get things done, got to get the next project, move, move, move. How do you convince that manager to make the time within the flow of work to build in that time for his or her team members uh, for, for, for critical thinking, because I absolutely agree with you, but it's about making that time and convincing that leader that there's actual value, uh, to be had here. Yeah, for sure. And I think whenever you want to convince someone of something, you really got to show them the value in what you're trying to pitch. And I think the value is higher quality work, happier clients, right? Better quality. When you're, when you're an engineer, you can't compromise your work. I mean, you're talking about the lives and the safety of people, you know, at risk. And so if managers out there want their team members to produce the greatest products and services, they've got to give them the bandwidth and the headspace to be able to do that. And as the employee or the team member, you've also got to get comfortable enough explaining to your manager, which I know is a difficult conversation to have, but you know, listen, I, I'm, I'm excited for this project. I'm going to need a couple of hours to really go through and do this stormwater report or calculations. Are you okay if I just take some time block, you know, turn, put my, uh, uh, mark my teams away, away from chat for a couple hours and focus on it and have those kind of conversations and maybe your weekly planning meetings. And that's something that, you know, we do a lot of like virtual training for engineering leaders. And we try to preach to these managers and leaders is that, just because you can message someone doesn't mean you should do it all day. Because if you were <laughs> if you were in the office with them, you wouldn't come into their room all day. Like right, essentially, right? right? Yeah. So, so it's kind of reprogramming our ourselves to remember that we need to give people that space. It's a two way street because they've also even if you have the space, it's not easy to sit there and do critical thinking. So it's a little bit on both ends. But I think you got to convince your manager that if you want you want to be able to produce high value, high quality work, you need the headspace to do that. I love that mental image of, well, you, you wouldn't pop your head in or around the cube all day with, with, with just incessant questions. Uh, so yeah, I, I love, I love that mental image. So critical thinking moving on is a, you know, it's a higher order skill. It requires, it demands uh, certain sub skills to, to be in place that are foundational to becoming a more effective, a better critical thinker. Uh, what are some of those sub skills from your, from your perspective? I think the biggest one is time, yeah. right? Critical thinking requires time. And again, if we try to, the world we live in today, people are cramming Zoom meetings in one after the other, and there's no space or time for reflective thinking. So for me, 
I always try to get an hour and a half block each day for like a big task that requires a lot of thought and block that time out so I can focus on it. And so you need to definitely give yourself time. That's number one. That's not something you're going to be able to manufacture or bypass yeah. in this process, right? Yeah. And, and time management is a skill. So Anthony is not, uh, he's not just talking about time miraculously appearing here. It is the skill of time management. So, so go ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely. For sure. You need to give yourself, I would say, a good physical space to be able to do critical thinking. Sometimes in these engineering offices that I'm familiar with, this is obviously more pre-COVID, but everyone's on the same floor. Everyone's just tables are out there and there's talking and there's things going on, which is fine. But you have to then give a conference room or a place where someone can go and work if they have things that they got to focus on because they can't, they need to be in a physical space for them to be able to do deep thinking or critical thinking. I think that's a very important aspect of it. Another thing that I would say that is probably the most critical thing, Andy, is, and I know this is always a scary word, but the word meditation <laughs> or the, the ability to slow your brain down. Because yeah. like I said before, if you want to slow down right now, you're most likely programmed to go fast, nine out of 10 people, just because of the environment we live in. So the only way that you can change that is to try to slow your brain down. And one of the best ways to do that is meditation, where you're actually stilling, silencing your brain and making it get used to that. And it's extremely painful in the beginning because your brain is like, where's the stimulation you're used to giving me like 24 seven, right? And so for me, I always laugh that off is there's no way in hell I could ever meditate because I'm just a hundred miles an hour typically. But I was interviewing an engineer once on our podcast and she's like, you know, I struggled with it and I got this great app. It's called the waking up app. She's like, you should try it. I tried the app and I've logged about 7,000 minutes of meditation over the past couple of years since I started wow. doing it. And really it sounds like a lot, but it's really only been 10 minutes a day, essentially every morning, yep. a couple of times I'll do it other times. But the point of it is, is that when you do it, I noticed that throughout the other portions of the day, it allows for you to be able to slow down a little bit more and consider things that maybe you wouldn't have considered because you were going too fast. So and, you know, listen, if you're someone who says there's no way I could do it, number one, you got to try it. Number two, you, there's other things you could do, like a walking meditation. It's not like you just have to sit there in the middle of the room, you know, and put a robe on and meditate. Because I think that's what comes to people's minds when you say the word meditation. Um, so I think that that's exactly. So I think that that's very important one that's often people discount it. And the other one that I'll just say is these words maybe go along with meditation, but just thought and reflection. I mean, if you're going to do critical thinking and you're going to ask questions, and you're going to accumulate data and get different perspectives, you then need to look at that information and be able to reflect on it, like spend some time with it, do some deep thought on it and try to understand what the patterns are or what's the, the best road ahead for you, your company, your team, your family, whatever the case may be. So I think in a nutshell, creating time and time management, giving yourself the physical space, you know, stilling your mind a little bit through meditation efforts and just being willing to do some deep thought and reflection on the data or the information that you're collecting, I think are some very critical skill sets that you could take to do some more critical thinking. Yeah. I, I've, I've recommended many times in the past, uh, I got turned on to yoga uh, by my wife uh, a number of years ago, uh, several years ago. And, you know, I was always uh, the man, uh, you can't do yoga and you got to go running or be on your bicycle or do something that's, you know, hyper, super productive. But uh, yeah, you, a yoga practice is a great way to A, you know, tone your body and B, 
tone your mind and check in with uh, with some of those deeper thoughts and allow your breath to slow and and really think about your your breathing column and how that kind of connects uh, in with the with with the total body experience so um, yeah I, I, I you recommend meditation that's awesome uh, I, I think you, you know yoga is right right up there in that list. For sure. No, I, I hear. I do yoga too. And I'd be honest with you, I don't think I would have been able to do yoga without the meditation first because I'm used to doing like physical fast activities. Yep. And so going from like playing basketball or flag football or something to then try to do yoga, it was a stark like difference, but <laughs> yep. the meditation in between helped me because I was already like feeling a little bit slowed down. So, that's um, cool. so that's cool. Yeah. That's a good one too. Awesome. So before we sign off, uh, let's assume that you have an audience of prospective engineering professionals that are listening to the show. I know you you have uh, podcasts of your own uh, through EMI. What advice do you have for somebody who's considering entering the field of engineering? Great question. I think the key thing is you have to understand that as an engineering professional, your ability to interact with people is one of the most important skills you can develop. And unfortunately, I think what happens for many engineers is that because we're not taught people skills of any sort in school, and it's not really the fault of the of academia, they just don't have the enough time. They have to get all the credits in for the accreditation. And we need the technical foundation as well. But what happens is I think it creates a misconception that, oh, if I just go to school and I learn how to do structural calculations and reports and all this stuff... I'm going to be okay. And the reality is, is that doing the calculations is one thing, but being able to communicate them to other people, to be able to talk to an architect and then talk to a contractor and talk to the public that you have to go in front of and present what you're going to do in their neighborhood to them. There's lots of aspects of engineering that are not actually the engineering. So my main advice to you would be, in order to be a great engineer, you need to be well-rounded. So while it's very important to build technical skills, you also need to build the other skills. And I always tell people there are three skill sets you need to be a successful engineer. One of them is the technical skills. One of them is project management skills, learn how to manage scope, schedule, and budget on your projects. And third, and not the same as project management, is your people management or your people interaction skills. Those, you know, communicating with people and understanding how people are thinking and how to use your team members effectively, make sure they're doing the right things, you're utilizing their strengths. If you can put those three things together you will be a very successful engineering professional and you can probably really go very far in your organization. Yeah. So before we sign off, uh, let's double click on the purpose and vision of Engineering Management Institute. I'm sure we're going to have listeners who want to know more about what you're doing and the impact that you're making on the profession. So where are you going with EMI? Yeah, so we help engineers and their firms grow. And a lot of times the way we do that is we create these professional development systems for them, which is a combination of different things. It could be learning and development programs, um, career roadmaps, career pathways that companies can show their staff to show them where they're headed in their careers. And I think really at the end of the day, what we try to do is in the engineering industry, there is a shortage of talent. And there's a trillion dollars of funding coming from the government for my infrastructure work. So you don't have to be an engineer to put that equation together and figure out if there's a shortage of talent now and there's a trillion dollars of work coming. Yep. A lot of engineering companies are in a lot of trouble. And so you need to build your firm these days in a way where you're able to attract top talent, 
develop that talent and retain that talent. And so we help them build professional development systems to help them do that. And if you're an individual engineer, you can go to our website at any time, engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and get four podcasts, three YouTube channels, all focused around your career, getting your license, growing, growing these skills. That's always been a passion of mine um, since I started this, Andy. I started it because as an engineer, I wasn't getting that kind of training on those soft skills. And so I wanted to make sure that that wasn't going to be deficient in the industry for a long time. And now there's thousands of articles we've got out there that people can find it and it's all free. Yeah. So that's a public good. So I, I want to really stress that point to our audience. That doesn't sit behind a paywall. It, it's a public good that that you can use to to better yourself. So that, thank you so much, Anthony. It's just, uh, any any last words before we, before we sign off? I would just say back to critical thinking, it's easy to go 150 miles an hour today, but if you go 150 miles an hour forever, at some point you're going to crash, you know, and I don't mean to, you know, it's just, it, it's reality of it. And so we do need to learn how to slow down. We do need to learn how to do more critical thinking. And it's a very difficult thing to do because we've built up these inherent habits that we don't, we just don't know what that means anymore. But starting out with something like a meditation, a yoga practice, can really help you with critical thinking in your life and your career. And I think that the ability to think critically as from a leadership perspective in your job and in your career and your business can be a game changer. In fact, I would wager to say, if you're not able to think critically, you're going to run into some big problems in growing your career and growing your organization down the road. Uh, just because all the information that's out there today, we need to learn how to use it. So that would just be my kind of parting words. And um, I hope you can take that, use some of what we went over today and just to implement it and, and get something out of it. That, that's awesome. Thanks for joining us. Uh, that, that's Anthony Fasano of Engineering Management Institute on the show today. I'm Andy Tempty. You can find all things andrewtempty.com or <laughs> you can think, find everything at andrewtempty.com. You find the Saturday morning news, you find the podcast, you find the book balancing act. Uh, and uh, everything else that's that's going on. So please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast. Uh, we look forward to seeing you on our next episode. Bye.